0: double l c i t y h u double l c i t y h u double
1: hello and welcome to another edition of the tigers down under our last episode for the season um i'm your host alex and with me i have logan how are you logan
0: any Alex. Yeah, doing really well. It's uh, nice to be talking about a new season with uh, obviously the promotion and a lot to look forward to. As we um, we know that we're expecting a lot of things to happen between now and then. So uh, it's, it's all, all good news at the moment, and I guess we you know eagerly await uh, the the pre season circus that is new signings and uh, rumours and and all the the exciting stuff that comes with that.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Look, I mean, we've had some good news already with a signing and a re-signing as well. But before we get into, I guess, the current news, and then also looking ahead to the championship season, we will uh, just take a look back at the season that was. We'll wrap up with our, um, our, our, I guess, our young player of the season, best signing of the season, biggest surprise packet, I guess, in in, in terms of players of the season, and then. Uh, we have been doing our votes through the weeks um, this season, giving a 3-2-1 for players for performances, so we will unveil um, the winner of that award as well. Um, but, Logan, look, I guess if we wanted to start with best young player of the season, who would you give that to?
0: What an incredibly uh, hot, contested uh, field that that really is. Um, when you look at the average kind of age of of our squad and... You consider all the all the names that kind of threw themselves into the equation. I think that, I mean, when we consider young players, uh, I assume we're talking from what twenty three years old and, and under. Yeah, I'd, um, yeah, I'd say so. Because if if we're talking about that, then you've you've got to consider Malik Wilkes, You have to consider uh, Josh Manuel. You have to consider Alfie Jones. You have to uh, think about Greg Doherty. It's just the list uh, kind of goes on with uh, with with those young players, but. It's really hard to go past uh, Ken Lewis Potter uh, for his his goal return, and um, I guess being a hometown boy that makes it somewhat uh, you know a, a little bit biased in in factoring. I think everybody wants uh, KLP to do well, and uh, I think this season was really the kind of uh, the becoming of a, of a man for him in in the sense that he had such an influential presence and uh, really kind of developed into uh, the player that that we we hoped he would be and we saw glimpses of it in the previous championship season but i think that across the the board from from start to finish um you know it's really hard to go past him he had a, an excellent season yeah look a terrific
1: season for him and um he was performing at a level where you just sort of came to expect that from him. And I think that's the biggest compliment you can pay him, that it was just expected week in, week out, and he kept delivering for us. And, um, you know, we we sort of talked probably at the halfway point of the season about favourite goal of the season and that sort of thing. And I, I can't go past that goal he scored against, Um I think it was Swindon in the game we lost where he sort of, picked the ball up from about halfway and just kind of kept going with it and and fight at home. But, um, yeah, look, a, a terrific season for him. It was great to see him establish himself in the first 11 um, after sort of being a bit part player last season and really looking forward to see what he can do in the um, in the championship next season. Um, and, I'll
0: probably, yep. I was just going to say it. It feels like December was a kind of a distant memory when yeah. there was all that speculation about whether he was going to re-sign and... Um, you know whether he was out of favor with McCann and not playing him because of the they didn't want him to go past his his contract uh, term and uh, it was just uh, all that drama seemed to you know when we look at it in hindsight uh, it seemed quite irrelevant in the scheme of things uh, knowing how things panned out so um, the fact that he was able to show the maturity of dealing with that situation and then have the second half of the season that he did have probably speaks into um, and makes an even stronger case for why he, uh, you know, is our young player of the season. Yeah, and look, and that's a great, great word to use. I was about to say the same
1: thing. I think the fact that he had that sort of contract drama during the season but was able to overcome it and um, put the performances on the pitch just showed a maturity and a, a level-headedness that you wouldn't normally expect of a guy of his age. Um, it's easy to forget just how young he is and, uh, and yeah, what a fantastic season he put together. Um, I guess for me, I mean, pretty similar sort of vein, going with a hometown boy. Um uh, I've gone with Jacob Greaves, who broke into the side, um, and was just you know he 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 displaced um, Reese Burke at the back, and really um, Burke never regained his spot in the side. And and we'll talk a bit later about um, Burke's departure from the club. But Greaves has just had a tremendous season. We sort of hoped that after last season, with I think it was with Cheltenham Town where he was on loan, that he would sort of come into the side and get a few appearances here and there. And I guess sort of similar to Lewis Potter last season start to sort of make those cameo appearances and, and kind of grow into the side but look he took his opportunity and just didn't look back and talking about players just putting performances in week in week out um I think Greaves was was tremendous for us I think it's re- it's really unfortunate that he wasn't able to cap the season off with a goal I know he you know he's, he's trying pretty hard to get it um through the season but um he had that effort that Magenis ended up claiming but um Look, I think he had a, a fantastic season and as far as um, young players breaking into the side, I think between him and Lewis Potter, I think we're, we're well stocked with um,
0: homegrown talent at the moment. Oh, certainly. And uh, just the, even you mentioning Jacob Graves, it kind of uh, brings back some you know, fond memories of how we would have probably identified uh, Reese Burke and Geordie Devices as, as potentially our strength in, in the beginning of this season as having a really strong uh, you know, centre-back pairing. Um, and ultimately, uh, you know, although Reece Burke, uh, did certainly play a, a far bigger role. It, it was Jacob Graves and Alfie Jones who, you know, ascertain the the majority of that role throughout the season. And were probably, um, you know, the most unexpected surprise packets in, in that sense that they were our two best defenders and, um, you know, they've, they've proven it, uh, and for that to be, uh, Probably the most unexpected combination. If we had have talked about it in the in the preseason, you know, it's a true testament yeah. to just how well they they both played. But uh, certainly gives you great ground for for Jacob Greaves uh, taking that spot. Um,
1: I guess the next uh, award or, or next um, accomplishment um, we can talk about is best signing of the season. Um, did you have a player in mind for that one? Uh,
0: huge, I think. Greg Docherty was was a very very strong uh, signing just for for what he did for our midfield, and I just thought the combination of of him and Honeyman uh, throughout the season was just exceptional. It was great to watch and really gave us that uh, that kind of guile and and, and resolute uh, you know work rate that we needed in the midfield. And he just popped up and scored some really crucial goals, but. Again, I, I find myself in the in the conflict of uh, Josh Emmanuel and uh, and Louis Coyle because both of those guys were um, incredible signings, and uh, you know we've talked at length about the split season where they almost kind of uh, swapped roles sort of being the the key player in the team and yeah. and fighting right back, and um, you know to have both of them on the books is is incredible and. Uh, you know, really showed uh the, the people of, of Hull just how good both of them are. And uh, having both of them join the squad was massive. Um yeah, I I would probably say it's between those three, but um yeah, incredible signings.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And, and look, I, I'd probably I'd probably agree that for me, Doherty just edges it. And that's purely on the fact that Emmanuel and Coyle were fighting for that same spot. Where if we'd only signed one of them, I think whichever one we'd signed would easily be signing of the season for me, but just the pure fact that they essentially split the season um, by, by default, almost I'd say I'd give it to Doherty instead. Cause I think Doherty complementing that midfield spot was just tremendous. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think really, you think back to last season and, and the players that we had in the midfield and you're thinking of, you know, Irvine and Stewart um, Lopez Honeyman was only a really a bit part player, but I'm trying to think, we we didn't really have a player of Doherty's sort, just that sort of engine that he could just run box to box, um, was great defensively, it would sort of break down opposition attacks, recover the ball, but also really offensively minded as well and, and really dangerous going forward. And, I mean, I suppose in some ways the closest comparison I can think is Irvine. And Irvine, to me, just didn't have the same all-round game that the Doherty's displayed this season. So I think in a way, I mean, we've talked before about the fact that in some senses, it feels like we've now got a stronger squad than last season. um, And Doherty is one of those really big examples of it. Um, I think I saw an article a few weeks ago where Doherty actually said that even before we were relegated, um, I think McCann had been sort of reaching out to him to see if he was sort of interested in coming across. So there was that interest level when we were in a championship level, um, let alone league one. So, it sort of shows when McCann viewed him and, and how much he rated him that he was essentially in our plans as a championship club as well. So to get him in League One was a massive coup. I think there was a few championship clubs after him as well. Um, and he's just had a fantastic season.
0: Yeah, I, I do actually remember the feeling of when uh, Doherty signed with us and everyone was you know, somewhat bemused that he was willing to to take that step down to League One because I guess by all reports, um, you know, as as you mentioned, he is certainly a championship player and was probably considered by most people uh, to view him of, of that being the the league that that he ought to be looking to play in. And so, uh, for him to take a you know a, a arguable step down to um, to League One and, and then I guess to take to it the way that he did um it probably feels very right that, that Greg Doherty is gonna be playing championship football uh this season and um you know the the fact that not only is he now gonna be playing championship football but he is certainly an influential part of this squad and it will be a, a familiar team um with a year under or a season under his belt as that he hits the championship with which um I think will play into his favor. So really looking forward to to seeing how he takes to uh to the championship and and what kind of role he plays, and uh, you know just how much he can can stand out and and show us his show us his stuff at a at a higher level.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then I guess moving on to bigger surprise packet of the season, or um, you could probably call this most improved player of the season, whether that's you know from the start of this season to the end, or from a previous season into this one. Who, who would you give this one to?
0: This this one is is a tough one because I think George Honeyman was uh, the the ultimate uh, player for City. I think that he's you know he, he's collected most of the awards and we've talked about him week in week out as well. But uh, for me personally, this one has to go to Josh McGinnis, and it's purely because I am still in disbelief at the uh, at the influence that he had on the um, not only on this on the score sheet and and the role that he had with the, his assists and his return, but he just really emerged as um, as somewhat of the the pivotal leader um, or seeming pivotal leader in the in the squad. Um, I know that McCann uh, viewed him extremely highly, but his influence behind closed doors and what he means to the playing group uh, seems to be really obvious. And yeah. uh, him to kind of yeah, as I said, uh, surpass all my expectations of him uh, as far as what I expected on the field, but also to see the role and and how he was viewed by by the playing group. Uh, it just, it, it really surprised me and I was delighted to see the way that, um, you know, that he was celebrated, uh, particularly as, you know, we got promotion and, and went up as champions. And he had such a large role to play in that. And I just would not have expected that uh, from the season before when he was a role player at best. Um, and when he did come on for us, I always used to kind of shake my head and think, what a what an awful move. Um, and he, he, you know, he, I think, probably had more. He almost had more red cards than goals last season. That's absolutely, and, <laughs> and you know, it was being used in sporadic bursts. And it just never, you never have got filled with confidence when you saw McGinnis get subbed on that something was going to happen. And you know, that was the, the complete opposite to to how he was this season. And so, you know, between uh Honeyman becoming the uh the Iniesta of the championship and um, you know, and, and Josh McGinnis, it would have to be between those two, but. I uh, would personally give it to Magennis. Yeah, and look, and, and also
1: when you consider the fact that he had COVID during the season and as an asthmatic, that would I – th- I can't remember the amount of weight that he lost, but it was a significant amount. So the fact that he was even able to get back on the pitch at any sort of level and the the mm-hmm. contribution that he made in that second half of the season was was tremendous. And look, I mean, he's not even a name that it sort of crossed my mind when I was thinking of this award, but you're absolutely right that – um Compared to last season to this season, I think his role and and his goal return was was tremendous and, and and a huge part of our promotion i mean towards the end of the season, there were games where he was the the most reliable or the most in form of that front three and and was scoring almost every week for us um so yeah he had he had a tremendous season and and quite rightly, as you say honeyman as well going from a, a pretty maligned sort of um role in the side last season where he was getting criticized quite a bit for his He's sort of, I mean, he was running around a lot without a whole lot of output, um, and he's really turned his game around this season, or, or, or sort of stepped up this season. So he's certainly another one um, that you can't really look past. Uh, you know, sort of a few honourable mentions, I'd say as well. Um, Matt Ingram, sort of yeah. coming into the team as, as you know, he was signed as sort of a second choice, just there to, to give Long a bit of competition. Not really much thought about him. I think from memory, he'd, he'd last played at, at a at, at league level. For, for Wickham or someone and, and had conceded a whole lot of goals, so he was pretty poorly thought of, um, came into the side and, and really kind of grabbed onto the goalkeeping uh, shirt with both hands, I guess you'd say. Um, then I guess the other one I'd say as well was Regan Slater, who yeah. who really kind of came into the team as probably the least impressive of the loanies um, and, and sort of left the end of the season as almost the most sought after that we're sort of thinking if we can sign any of them on the permanent, we want Regan Slater. Because I guess after, um, after a couple of injuries in the side and he sort of got his chance to step into the midfield, he, he really proved his worth and, and really showed that a consistent run of games um, could really sort of give him that confidence and that ability in his game and um, had, a, had, a, had a great end to the season.
0: He certainly did, and I was I was about to chime in before and, and have a guess at who I might have missed, and uh, and Matt Ingram was on my list of honourable mentions, but you've uh, once again outdone me with Regan Slatter as well, and it feels like an obvious one now that you've mentioned it, but
1: yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, th- I think I'd still say Magenis is is, is the most improved or the the, the, the biggest surprise though.
0: Oh, uh, certainly, and I think I guess if you go across the team and and you know think about how long the the League One season is and just how many games you actually play you know, you could make uh, honourable cases for, for each one of those players. And I guess it's kind of what you look for uh, the most. And um, I, I guess when, when you're thinking about up front and you think about goal goal return, that seems to be the statistic that that, that stands out. But, uh, yeah, you're mentioning Matt Ingram as well. There were some crucial saves that that he made. And, um, you know, uh, again, as you said, started the story of his season was started behind uh, long and really wasn't in the in the equation as someone who was going to have a, a, a role in the season and, and he was outstanding. So I guess when we think about him now as well, uh, I saw uh, some rumblings on Twitter about, well, what do we do caper-wise now? Is he the first choice heading into the championship or when we talk about going out to sign another caper, uh, are we looking to kind of upgrade from him? And I think mm-hmm. that's a really really good question to ask because Matt Ingram could well be a, a very, very good standard championship caper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Look, it's going to be interesting. I think there's a few rumblings that there's a keeper potentially being signed this week or next. So keep an eye out on, on developments with that. But um, I guess the last and and maybe the most significant award is player of the season. This is the one that we've given the votes for during the season. um, And we do have a scoreboard up. It's actually, there's a a two way tie for third place, which um, in itself shows sort of the the even spread amongst a lot of the players. But um, there is one player who stands sort of head and shoulders above the rest. And, He's wrapped up every other award uh, associated with the club, so uh, there was one more for him, and that's, of course, player of the season uh, for the 2020-2021 season, uh, George Honeyman, with 80 votes um, ahead of Wilkes, Lewis Potter and Doherty. Um, You know, probably looking at that list, those four players have um, arguably had. We sort of talked about them already um, in a couple of aspects, but they've had huge influences this season and, um, and, and terrific seasons for us, and they're a large part um, in in getting us promoted,
0: yeah, absolutely. And I guess uh, well, if you if you flip it on its head, I know you never want to want to be negative, and it's it's hard to be critical of a, a championship season where we did get promoted and, and finish first. But uh, you know, this you go across the the team from uh, throughout the entire lineup, and it's really hard to fault anyone. I, the the yeah. player that I was probably most upset with, as far as underwhelm, maybe was was Richie Smallwood. But outside of that, I Eves I've, maybe. Eves, Eves, as well. I think, yeah, there's potential for for Eves to, um, you know, he could have s- certainly uh, got a a better chance in as far as his goal return and what he actually did for the squad. But I mean, to be fair to Tom Eves, there was a lot of time where times where he was just being kept out because of the quality that was being shown by the, the other people in the front three. It's it's really hard to make way for for a player of Tom Eves' caliber when you know all those three KOP. Wilkes and Magenis were all firing, so you know he was he was rightfully kept out of the squad. And I know that he gets referred to as a donkey, and uh, you know is not always, um, I guess, uh, fondly referred to when some of you see some of the decisions that he's made um, in front of goal. But I still always think that when Tom Eves is on the field, he does offer something different. And I think that that's you know worth considering across the run of you know forty plus games in a season. He absolutely has his role to play, but yeah, somewhat underwhelming. But Outside of that, Alex, it's it was such an impressive season, um, impressive season for for nearly everybody in that squad, and you know, fair play to them.
1: Yes, and and speaking of, so um, we'll start with the positive transfer news first, and um, you know, huge news yesterday with Alfie Jones re-signing for a, a further two years with an option of a third year in the club's favour. Um, yeah. sort of amazing and big news, yes, just because of the rarity of of getting a player to re-sign on those sorts of terms. Um, really great to see, and and you hope it sort of strikes, say, chord or, or sort of sets a tone for the um for the summer, and we can see a few more players perhaps sign on for longer-term deals.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's it's nice to see some some early business, and uh, I think it, it speaks into the the feeling of the camp. It's you know when you go up champions and. And, and have such a seemingly good uh, feel and, and run of momentum, then, you know, it does make sense to, to sign for the club and uh, to have such a young squad as well, um, heading into the championship to, to be able to tie them down on some of these longer deals. Uh, you know, it, it does mean long-term if the, if the owners have a good model, depending on who the owners are, um, you know, th- these are the types of players that if, if they do get sold in, in the next couple of years and, and, and and do well for the club well then you're talking about some some big money um returns and and Mm. obviously you know speaks to the financial strength so i I do like the model that i think we've gone down and and done it right and the fact now that you you know you join that with the the fact the players actually do want to be there and there's a, a seemingly good club culture again which was was something that you could certainly make a case for was lost um after the the previous relegation season uh you no, know, we hope that it does mean that more people will be happy to resign, and that there is a little bit more stability, um, in the management and, and contracts that, that are offered, as opposed to what we saw the previous season, when you know you saw the likes of um, Jackson Irvine and uh, Lehigh and uh, Lehigh, the the host of players that went out the door for for almost nothing, and all mm. spoke really poorly of of how they were treated by the club, and. It seems like that is, at least for now, is something that's been rectified. Um, and, and that's a very pleasing thing and something that, as City fans, we can be optimistic about.
1: Well, I mean, you talked there about stability with the club. And, and I was thinking about the fact that heading into this season, it's the third season for McCann in charge. Um, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I know Adkins had, was it a season and a half? Yeah, something like that. so something like that. So, so McCann coming into his third season is our longest-serving manager since Bruce, which, um, in itself, is actually commendable to have that sort of stability in the club. And I think, I think with Burke's departure, which we'll talk about in a second, I think every player now at the club was signed by McCann, which is pretty incredible in terms of the, well, you know, notwithstanding the, the the academy players, of course, but it's pretty incredible the the turnover in the two years. But at the same time, it also now means We've got a squad that's entirely sort of um, identified by this manager. It's it's the players that he wants in the club. They've all come to the club wanting to play for him. So it's not as if they've signed for a different manager who's then left. There's that sort of sense of stability now. And, and hopefully that means that the players are much more comfortable being here. They know each other. They know the style. They, they know the club. And and it's good signs for the future.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And I mean, I know we were talking about players of the the season and the most unlikely signing or or, or positive signing. I think that Grant McCann is, is another unlikely uh hero from, from the story in the sense that the fact that he was kept around I think was a surprise to us all. And you know, we've we've talked at length about him saying, you know, judge me at the end of next season and and, and now we have judged him as a as a League One championship winner. Um it, it's going to be very, very interesting to see how we view him in twelve months and um and see if you know, like you said, with with his own playing group, what is he capable of? This will be yeah. the the true test of of, of Grant McCann's ceiling. Like, how, how good is he, and and what is he going to, you know, mean to the to the city of Hull in, in a few years' time when we we look back on, you know, his his time in in, in charge at the club. Absolutely, um, and we have had our first signing
1: of the summer. We've had George Moncur sign, um, essentially from Luton. I think he'd been released by Luton, so it was technically a free signing, but. I mean, to me, it, I, I don't know a whole lot about him, to be perfectly honest, but from the sounds of things, it's sort of that, that Crowley sort of attacking midfielder role to, to, to sort of give um, depth in that position for Honeyman, but also sounds like he's quite comfortable playing across the front three. So in a way, it's almost replacing both the White and Crowley departures. Um, presumably, obviously, more players to come, but
0: it's a good start. It's, it's a player who is good on set pieces and, and offers a bit to the club. And it's an early signing. I think that's one of the things that we haven't, you know, become accustomed to seeing. And the fact that the club, you know, again, maybe seems to be learning from from previous errors to to go out there and, and get some business done early, have a, a new face around the place, and you know, be part of a, a group culture that that is seemingly on the up. It's a it's a it's a great show of initiative. And um, yeah, as you said, I, I don't know too much about Monka or other, but uh, the fact that He's he's signed, sealed, and, and at the club early doors, um, seemingly with a with a few others to come, and the I guess the re-signing of Alfie Jones, it's it shows that they're they're not resting on their laurels. They're looking to really shore up uh, this championship squad early, and um, and, and that's a, a positive step as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, um, and so Rhys Burke and George Long have left the club. Um, Long has left for Millwall. Burke to Luden. So in a way, it's a sort of a swap deal, Burke for Moncure. Um, What do you make of that? I mean, I think with Burke, it sounds like, I mean, partly it was a financial decision from our point of view. We wanted to re-sign him on smaller, on, on cheaper terms, but also from his point of view, it sounds a bit like it was a family decision. I think I think it was Bristol City offered him better terms than Luden, but he turned those down to, to head to Luden. Um, so it sounds like one of those ones that we probably couldn't do a whole lot about. Um, and they both depart as as pretty
0: reasonable servants for the club and and um yeah. Yeah, Rix Burke had some great words to say. I, I read his kind of you know farewell to the fans. And I think he's the type of player who um, you know, he goes out the door with with our best wishes. He certainly never did anything to kind of you know upset the the fans and um was always a really good servant for us, as you mentioned. So I think, yeah, as you said, it it, it seems like that's what happens in football. That sometimes people have a different agenda and what some clubs offer and where they're located and, and all, all those kind of factors do play into, um, you know, these decisions. And for reese Burke, he seems quite happy to go. And, you know, I think that we're not too happy to to say goodbye to him, although, you know, he leaves on positive terms. It's not, um, as we mentioned before, with, with Jacob Greaves and Alfie Jones re-signing and uh, obviously a, a, an area that we are strong in, I would expect us to to go out and and make some more additions to our defence. Um, but, you know, we, we do wish Reece Burke well, and I, I don't think it's uh, it's too much of a, a, a huge loss at this point.
1: Yeah, and, and I guess it's a bit of a shame with Long going as well. I I still sort of think back to that game against Chelsea in the FA Cup where he looked a really quality keeper for us, and it was one of those games where you sort of looked at it and went, well, you know, we're playing Premier League opposition and he's he's sort of standing out. Um, and, and at that point you sort of think, well, maybe maybe he's the sort of player that either will... We'll, be with us in, in any sort of promotion push or else we'll be sold on to a bigger club at some sort of profit. Um, so it's a little bit of a shame to see him leaving on a free, having sort of fallen out of the side in the League One season. But, um, you know, a, a promising keeper who, who, again, was, you know, solid for us for at least the first half of that championship season, um, sadly sort of fell, fell away as it did with a lot of the players in the second half um, and then sort of fell out of the side. Um, so it's just, I think, with keepers in particular, it's quite hard once you once you fall out of the side to to get your place back.
0: Yeah, he, he certainly reminds me a lot, and has shows parallels to David Marshall when there was kind of that period mm. where David Marshall came to us um, from from Cardiff and was, uh, you know, he came with 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 huge uh, credentials, and we were really excited about that signing. And he was just awful to begin with, and then kind of you know earned, the, earned his way back and and then kind of went off the boil again and i mean this was comparisons to eldon uh, yakupovich as well where they just go through their periods and i think long was exactly the same as you mentioned he showed some some really promising glimpses of the keeper he could be but you know when ingram got his chance ingram was was outstanding and hasn't really put a foot wrong since. Uh, foot wrong since so you know I, I don't think uh you know by long walking out the door it's a, it's not a huge loss by any stretch of the imagination and Millwall does seem like a good fit so Again, um, not a, not a bad person to lose, and, and we do wish him well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll see in the coming weeks what what further additions are made um, on the ownership front. You know, we, we it's almost like I said every every year or two we get these sorts of rumors cropping up. This one a little bit more substance in in the sense that I'd say this is the most credible rumor since those days um, on the promotion after Steve Bruce's departure, where we had those couple of pretty credible bids. Um, it's going to be quiet lately, which I don't know if that means that stuff's actually happening behind the scenes, or it just means that the room has gone away, but, um, I, I'm not quite trying to pronounce the name. Akun Il- Ilikali, perhaps, uh, Turkish businessman, um, TV mogul over in Turkey, big football supporter. So, um, at least from the front of, or the position of, um, wanting an owner who, who loves the game, who understands the game and who appreciates the game and potentially therefore by extension, the fans as well. Um, it's a, it's a big tick in that box. Um, net wealth, net wealth around about a hundred million pounds, um, rumored at least. Um, so he's not, he's not, um, you know, a, a billionaire or an oligarch or anything like that, but he's also, um, a pretty credible, um, front man for any sort of takeover bid. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, there's not been a whole lot of ch- chatter about it in the last week or so. So, so what do you make of it?
0: Yeah. Hard to say. I think that, uh, you know, when the sale of a club goes through, I don't think it's as simple as "here's here's a package and yeah. uh, and and here's the contract. Once you sign it's yours type thing." I know that there's there's a lot to negotiate, particularly in the in the interest of Hull. When you think about the relationship with the council, and we've yeah. heard about how tricky some of the negotiations over the KCOM have been. So, uh, with with that in mind, uh, I wouldn't expect a sale to to go through quickly. And yeah, as you mentioned, it it, it could be in the advanced stages. Uh, I think that. For it to to make the headlines and to be in the news as it was, um, then there's there's certainly some legs to it. And it's uh, you know, in the past we've we've been let down by some of these, uh, you know, preemptive sales that are 100% going through, and you see yeah. Twitter start to light up, and then you know within hours it's 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 dead. So I think we we have to wait patiently with these things. And you know, I think it would be it would be certainly welcome news if uh, if if on the face value. It is as good a good a proposition as it seems, but um you know from from i guess the standpoint of it would immediately repair the the barrier between some of the fans who are still choosing to stay away um from the from the tigers games because of the, the alums being at the helm so i mean any change at least initially will be will be a good change but um you know it's, as the credentials of uh, Akun... Uh, Alakawi or however we do pronounce that name, um, you know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. I, I guess because we just have been promoted, and and there's such an excitement around the club. But I, I know personally, it doesn't feel like it has the same urgency that it did at this time, you know, last last year. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it would be nice to see a, a change, um, for for the stay away fans, I guess.
1: Yeah, look, and it's a really interesting timing, as you say, because. Outside of the KLP contract negotiations, you could make a case that the Alums really haven't put a foot wrong this season. I mean, in saying that it's very hard to put a foot wrong when the fans aren't in the stadium and therefore you're not having to deal with, you know, ticket pricing or, or issues on the pavilions with the food or, um, you know, gates being locked on the bridges, getting access to the ground, things like that. There's no sort of scope to to piss the fans off in that sense. But um, it's been a positive season. It's a promotion season um, you can make a case that now's a great time to cash in. You can also make a case that the Alums might look at it and say, you know, maybe we can make a tilt for the Premier League. So, um, look, it's a tricky one. And uh, I think I sort of looked at the um, the period of time with the Alums taking over the club back in 2010, where I think it was first rumoured in the news in around October or September, and then the deal was signed off in December, so about three months later. And taking into account that at that time we were... You know, sort of verging on administration, and therefore it was a very sort of urgent and rapid sale. This isn't that you know the finance. I mean, you can look at it two ways, I guess. I mean, the finance is probably a lot cleaner now and a lot easier for due diligence and all that sort of assessment than it would have been back then. But at the same time, there's not that urgency for a sale that there would have been. So it could take longer. It could it could be quite quick, as we say. We we don't we just don't know. We just have to wait for that that official club statement to announce
0: anything happening. And, and Alex, I, I, I dare say this, but, uh, you know, is there a case for the alums that they actually are great club owners when uh, operating on a, a shoestring budget? Because they have proven as being in charge when we're in the championship that with the exception of last season that they have made some, or at least this, the club has made some very astute purchases and, you know, been financially viable for the last few years. I know that we've struggled when we've, tried to take that extra step and consolidate in the Premier League. They certainly uh, haven't, well, they haven't always got behind the team with some of the signings that we would have hoped to have seen. But uh, they've certainly been able to do a job uh, in the Championship and we're definitely in League One. So uh, I know that I, I, I want to be careful it's with a, how I work. Yeah, because it's a, yeah. it's a very controversial topic. But... You know they they have done some good things, and they've done some good things in recent times. Uh, for all the negative things they've done, uh, it, it's it's hard to not say there's credit where credit's due in in at least the the last twelve months.
1: Yeah, I, again, I, I probably have to tread quite carefully as well because I, I I completely get where you're coming from. I think we've sort of said in the past it's it's very it's a very different perspective that we can offer as non-match day going fans on the impact of the Alums. And I think there's absolutely a case to be made that whether it's the membership scheme, m- making people move seats, whether it's the the, tri- the ticket prices uh, forcing uh, juniors and concessions and, and elderly out, um, whether it's, you know, uh, SM saying that the fans can die when they want and right. removing the name. And there's, there's all sorts of things that are completely valid issues with the Alums. I do then look at some of the other clubs and say for all the issues that we have with them, we still have our club. And you look at a Derby or a Sheffield Wednesday or a Bolton or a Berry and you see these owners who whilst being awful owners or you know irresponsible owners in some cases like with Derby perhaps and Sheffield Wednesday rather than awful, um, there's worse, I'll say worse, positions that clubs could be in. And, and I think... Um, you know it it's a really difficult one because there's no sort of objective what is a good owner what is a bad owner it's all about how does that owner impact on your ability to watch and enjoy football and there'll be plenty of city supporters who will say that these are bad owners and we need a change and that's a completely valid viewpoint so as you said i think I think at the end of the day new owners will give give all the city supporters a chance to to have a fresh fresh page and and get back to watching football and enjoy it and and if that's what's needed that's what's needed and i just I just have to hope that any new owner that comes in will be financially responsible, and I guess that's the main concern
0: yeah and and at least try to engage with the fans and have more yeah. of a cultural understanding of of you know the the city of Hull like what what football means to them and what it means to the fans and I think that similar to when the alums took over because the club was in uh, such a you know a tricky predicament the the fans instantly took to the alums and and loved the fact that. You know, he was this family that kind of saved the club, uh, by all reports. And then obviously it's gone pear shaped since then. But Mm. at least with the with the new relationship, then you know a lot of that stuff goes instantly. And all it takes is a quick look at uh, you know at Blackpool as well, who have gone through a a really tricky situation themselves. And with the the change in ownership, um, you know, fair play to them, also finding a way to get promoted. Um, And I guess just it's it's nice to see the excitement back at. clubs like that who that have done it so tough and I guess we would experience our own uh romantic story if uh if a new owner was to come in and you know we will wait and see what happens with this this speculative deal
1: yeah for sure and and look I think that's a good chance let's let's just have a quick look ahead um at the championship we'll do we'll do a proper preview of the season of course um probably two or three weeks out from the season beginning, but um, just at this sort of preliminary stage, you know, fresh, optimistic, excited about being back in the championship. What is there a side that you're in particular looking forward to facing, um, bigger clubs in the championship than League One? Is there anyone that you're particularly eyeing off a meeting with?
0: No, not not really. I think that it's, it's kind of like uh, the excitement of just returning to the championship where I feel is kind of... Uh, our rightful league, I think it's probably the league that you know. I, I don't think we really ever deserve to be out of it with. If that's a, probably can't say that with the, a high level of entitlement. But it was a, it was a shock relegation um, when we did go down. And so to to complete the task and be able to fly back into the equation in the championship, I'm just excited to be back there. I'm excited that it does mean some you know some some big trips, uh, some some bigger away days again. But um, yeah, no, do, no do- one particular. Doing our doing our previews and I think with all
1: due respect to League One last season when we were looking at the clubs we were facing, we didn't know a whole lot about them. It, it, it is refreshing being back in a league where we do have recent history and knowledge of um, a lot of these sides. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not a particular side that stands out to me. I do look forward to playing, you know, Chef United and West Brom and Fulham as the full and Premier League clubs. I think that will always be fun just to sort of test ourselves against them. Um I guess Leeds isn't in the championship anymore. So there's not that sort of Yorkshire Derby to look forward to. So, yeah, you know, probably right. I think it's it's just going to be a great experience to be back amongst those big clubs. And, um, yeah, it, it does feel a bit entitled to say, it, but it is sort of our our rightful place or our sort of expected place in, in the league. I think um, the championship is, is just about our level. I think, you know, in a perfect world, we'd be sort of a, a big championship club in the in the vein of, um, um, I guess, what's a good example? Maybe like a QPR or someone like that, sort of mid to upper mid to upper table in the championship, challenging for promotion rather than worrying too much about relegation.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, do you have a sense at this stage on on where we'll finish? What's your sort of expectation for the season?
0: Well, look, I think. Last time I predicted playoffs, and I think that I think that will be the where we would kind of be aiming for. Uh, I would expect to to be kind of uh, nipping at the heels of a playoff uh, place, or maybe maybe mid table. But I think that that's probably where I would expect. I think that when you cast your eyes across the teams that that are in the championship, I definitely think that you know we have we have a lot of talent in this squad and and momentum. And momentum is a funny thing, so. We get a, a pleasing start. Uh, there's there's no real saying as to you know how far we can go, but I'd expect to be somewhere between sixth and tenth. Yeah, look, I think that's
1: a pretty pretty, pretty realistic or pretty um, um, accurate sort of assessment of the season um, ahead. I think I think if we can finish top half, that's a good season in my books. So I think you know any sort of sense of not having to look down the table, not having to worry too much about the drop zone. I think the squad as we've said before is is arguably stronger than it was in the previous championship season and and really we should be looking up the table and and what we can do and i think to be honest with covid and everything that's happened i think there's a lot of vulnerable clubs in the in the championship in the sense that i think having our finances in in a in a good position being able to retain the squad being able to build and grow the squad actually puts us in a really positive position compared to a lot of clubs and, and gives us that opportunity to to really have a, a cohesion that other clubs might be struggling without.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you've only got to look at the form of particularly our front three. And they they hit the season with, you know, incredible goal returns. And and certainly for for Kane Lewis Potter and, and Malik Wilkes, um, you know, they've the type of players who who really have to be gunning for for Premier League contracts, if not promotion mm. with us. So um, I'm really excited to see just how far they can take their game um, you know, and, and test themselves against some of these bigger clubs. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, it's all to look forward to. It's going to be very exciting
1: uh, next season. And, of course, we will be back to, to preview and review each of City's games next season. We've got a few new interesting features that we're going to try out next season as well. Um, just to just to keep everyone engaged and uh, and watching the podcast but uh, yeah look just before we go I you know just to be a little bit self-indulgent I do keep track of our stats each and every season and I wanted to highlight the fact that this has you know excluding the first season where we only had the six episodes this has been our most watched season to date which is great to see it's a it's a it's a great response and a great sort of following that we've built and and you know in this climate where there's so many other city podcasts as well where you know we're not competing with each other. We're actually all growing and promoting each other's content, which is fantastic. It's great to see uh, that sort of response from people still watching and following us along each each season. So, you know, look, it's you know to have more than four thousand views for the season as a whole, um, and to have that that best average that we've had so far is um, is a fantastic effort. So, so big thank you to to all our listeners and watchers, um, and to yourself, Logan, as well, being a guest as always
0: uh, on the podcast. It's always a good time to be talking about City, especially when we're winning. So I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Absolutely. No worries. Well, thank you for joining me for this one. Mate, no, no problems at all. And look forward to being back on for uh, the, the championship uh, previews and, and getting excited about what's to come.
1: Absolutely. No worries. And look, thank you, everyone, for listening over the course of the season and and listening on for this episode. Uh, as we said, we'll be back to preview the championship season in uh, about a month's time after the Euros Best wishes to to England, for the Euros, for those uh, listening from from the UK. Um, And until next time, come on. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're out.